awesome opportunity to do baptisms this morning. Amen. Amen. Ooh, let's do it again. What an awesome opportunity to see people's lives change this morning. Amen. Baptism's a blast. Of all the things I get to do, it's like one of my favorites. It's like counseling things falling apart or baptisms. Like, let's do baptisms. I love that part. Amen. Writing long messages, baptisms, every time it wins. We could just probably do that in the altar call. The worship band did good. So, man, praise God. It's an awesome Sunday to be here at Banner Church. If you're with us for the very first time, I wanna say welcome. Uh, we're excited for all of our guests that come. We're excited for uh, the opportunity to meet you and share really uh, the love of Jesus that we hold in our hearts and that we know. And um, we're not a lot of things, but we're a church that, that loves each other, loves the Lord, uh, wants to be in a real authentic community. We might not get everything right every time. I mean, Katie and I lead this, <laughs> so I know we're getting stuff wrong, but we're excited for the opportunity to have authentic community with everyone. So uh, this morning we're continuing our series, really looking at how Jesus founded the church and how the, the early church started. Because if we call ourselves the church, then it might be a good idea to look and see what Jesus meant when he called us the church and when he started the church. So we're not just winging it, but we're being what he called us to be. So this morning, I'm excited to carry on our series. And I wanna start it this way and just ask, and I like the band, it's very beautiful, so it keeps us in a good mood, I like it. Uh, but I wanna ask this morning, have you ever felt unprepared for something in your life? Totally, radically unprepared for the thing ahead of you. Wandered into a day of class and thought, oh, so now's the midterm. <laughs> Guess we're winging it. <laughs> it's funny how expectations change in that moment, right? So has anyone been unprepared? I was, uh, my wife and I, we were back in Everett this weekend, back up in the Seattle area, drove by the hospital where we had our baby, we, where Katie had the baby and I stood there like an idiot. <laughs> we drove past the hospital and I remember thinking of this moment when they handed me this baby, thinking like, do these people know how radically unprepared? Like I had two day old Thai food for breakfast and then you just handed me a child. <laughs> like, do you realize how radically unprepared and unqualified I am for the blessing that you've just handed me, right? And we're driving home. And when we drove home, home is relative because I had somehow mixed up the timing of having the heating system in our house replaced. For those who have always lived in Arizona, heat is something that we used to pay for, not try to keep out. And uh, so there was no heat. So it was 35 degrees inside our house. And so we're just driving and I'm thinking like, good dad, nailing it. And we're driving home and we ended up going and staying with my folks, pray and bless them. And I'm thinking I should just keep circling because I do not have, I am not equipped, I am not prepared for what I, I need to do for the task ahead of me for raising a human being. Has anyone ever felt unworthy or unqualified for the place that you were or the place that God called you? Has anyone ever felt like, I don't even wanna touch the calling or, or where I'm being led because I know I'm just so radically unqualified, unprepared, unequipped for it. Can I tell you that nothing relates you probably more to the people in the Bible, to the disciples in scripture than the suffering in your life and the, man, I, I love that. I heard lots of good things. It's funny the things that you get texted when you're gone, uh, but that was a good one. So I liked that one. It was like, we're out of toilet paper and Jamin's doing great. <laughs> I'm like, cool, I'm a thousand miles away. So good luck, go to the store. But we are called to be the church of Jesus Christ. 
And as we look through this Acts series, can I tell you that Jesus knows his church and he knows who he's called. He knows you and he knows sometimes that we feel overwhelmed, unprepared. And Jesus knew his disciples. Jesus knew that his disciples, right? They were always arguing with each other, right? These are the guys that literally fell asleep during the most important prayer meeting of their life. Like they, Jesus was at the prayer meeting and they still couldn't make it through. Like God, God was literally there and they were like, ah. I can't make it. They denied him at the cross. They doubted when he rose. Thomas is like, you know what? I know that's the experience that the disciples had, but that's not my experience. So I guess it just must not be true, right? Jesus knew his disciples, but he said to them, he said, I'm gonna build my church on you. And Jamin shared last week out of Acts 1, and Jesus says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, as we open up, we're gonna be in Acts 2. So if you brought your Bible, open your Bible into Acts 2. As we look at Acts 2, can I just tell you this morning that the church that Jesus founded was a church of power and that he gave them the commission and then he gave them the command in Acts 1 and he said, I'm gonna send the power to you. And all of a sudden, these men who looked at, at, at the commission, right? They were told by Jesus, go into all the world, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and, and giving and teaching them to obey every command as I've given it, right? They're looking at this, like I looked at my daughter, Lucy, like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Do they realize like what they just gave me? I'm gonna be lucky if I keep this thing alive. Like I don't even drive good enough to get her home. <laughs> they're looking at the promise of the church and they're looking at what Jesus has given them and they're like, really Jesus? Like literally like just recently, Peter cut someone's ear off. You know, like that was recent. Like we're still, on a, we're afraid to hang out with him. You know, <laughs> you tell me if someone in your crew cut somebody's ear off, you guys would all be good. Yeah, no. Don't act like you're better than that. <laughs> like you're better than that moment. We're all there. But they're looking at the, at the great commission and they're going, oh my gosh, am I really gonna be the church? And we look at our lives sometime and we really, we think in our heart like, do I have what's needed to take on what's in front of me? So this morning I wanna share with you that God sent the power of the Holy Spirit to launch the most powerful movement in history. And I think anytime we talk about Pentecost or the Holy Spirit, anything like that, people naturally are like, oh no, I picked that day of the month to come to church. But I just wanna encourage you guys, don't be overwhelmed, don't be closed off. I don't know your background. I, I like to say we don't judge the journey, but that we invite this moment together. And this, this is a simple prayer. I'm gonna come back to this time and time and time again. And this will, our prayer together, if we could kind of be like unified under one banner, one prayer would be this, Holy Spirit, if there's more of you, I want it, right? So regardless of the details of where you come from or your history or your past, I feel like together this morning, we could say, God, if there's more of you this morning, I want it. God, if there's more of what you bring, who you are, your love, the manifestation, your life, healing, hope, joy, if there's more of you, I want it, right? So let's do this this morning because I want us to be open and together and in unity. Let's pray. And I'm gonna encourage you, wherever you are, can you just open your heart, close your eyes with me this morning, bow your heads. We're gonna pray together. And would you just, just repeat after me this morning? All right, everybody ready? Repeat after me. God, if there's more of you, I wanna have it. 
open my heart and change my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give it up for the worship team this morning? Try to open this Bible, it's new and it's just wicked heavy. Every time somebody gives me a Bible, they just keep getting heavier. Thin line. <laughs> Get your pastor a gift, give him a small Bible. This thing's huge, but it makes me look real spiritual, so you trust what I say. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, this morning we're in Acts 2, and again, I come back to that prayer. God, if there's more of you, I want it. God, if there's more of you for my life, for my family in this city, we want it. Right, Banner Church, if there's more of God to be had, which, spoiler alert, there is, then I want it. If there's more of the Holy Spirit, I want to be filled with it. And so together we're reading in Acts 2. Jamin killed it in Acts 1, so we're going to continue in Acts 2. And this is an awesome awesome day that we celebrate together. And so I want to I read, we'll go through this, but starting in Acts chapter 2, if you brought your Bible, it's in there, I promise. If not, it's on the screen. But Acts chapter 2, it says in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. So let me give a little context here. If you've never encountered this, you know, half of you are like, yeah, and half of you are like, what is this? Let me give some context. The day of Pentecost and the disciples and the, and, and the believers are gathered together. So the 12 apostles, right, they're all together. Well, the, yeah, they added one at this point, so they're good to go. So the 12 are all together, and then about 120 other believers and disciples are with them. And then just like other people who are around. So they're all kind of gathered together. And they're, on, they're gathered together on the day of Pentecost, which um, we, the Pentecostals did not invent this name. This was a Jewish holiday that it existed. And the English word Pentecost is, uh, is there, do people like history? If I share this, is everyone in? You're good? Okay, good. Context, it helps us. It doesn't affect if you're filled or not, but it does help understand why. Uh, is that Pentecost is a transliteration of the Greek word Pentecostus, which means 50. And so uh, it came from this expression, Pentecostus Hemera, which meant 50th day. And so Greek-speaking Jews at that time, they would call this festival, this day that we're reading about right now, Pentecostus instead of Shavuot. I don't speak... Hebrews, that's the best I can do. But it really means weeks. And so in Leviticus, the Jewish people were instructed to count seven weeks, or uh, for them it was actually 50 days from the end of Passover to the beginning of the next holiday. And so for the Jewish people, this became a huge festival for them that they would celebrate together. And what they were celebrating is when Moses received the law from God on Mount Sinai. So the Israelite people are led out of captivity. They're in the desert. The uh, presence of God comes. It rests on the mountain. Moses goes up. If you've ever seen the old pictures and he's just lugging down the stone tablets, right? This is this moment in time. Um, the old school, like old Ten Commandments video or movie or whatever. He's lugging down these. This is that moment. And so they would gather together and they would celebrate. The thing that makes it interesting is that because of being captured, because of being taken away, because of being moved to other places, Jewish people were scattered all over the place. So they were from all kinds of corners. And so from all corners of the world, they would come together into the temple, into Jerusalem to celebrate this day. And they, they would celebrate and saying, God, 
we're going to worship you and we're going to praise you. We're going to praise when you brought the law. And really what they were remembering, and just keep this in our mind because it helps inform us, is they were remembering when the presence of God spoke to them and says, this is what you're going to be and this is what's going to guide you. Is everyone with me this morning? Amen. I love that God seems to like showing up on parties. That there's always these like big festivals. I mean, remember Palm Sunday is this huge thing and Hosanna, Hosanna, and God shows up. God likes to party, shows up at a party and uses these parties to be like, here's what I'm about. And so the Jewish people, they come from all over and it says some who were um, converts came as well. And they came because of the sacred, but they encountered the spirit. And I want to tell you this morning that however you came into this place, maybe it was an observation of the sacred or, or just, just, a, just a pulling or maybe someone invited you, promised you a really legit lunch afterwards, whatever it was. If you came in for the sacred, I want to tell you that you can leave with the fullness of the spirit that will change your life this morning. Don't think because you came for one reason, you can't leave with the fullness of what God has for you this morning. Do you guys ever wonder why uh, we worship on Sunday? We were just like, well, it's the day after Sabbath, so we'd like to get two in a row. No. Uh, one of the main reasons that we worship on Sunday is because it's really identified as the, one of the biggest days for Christians. In that the resurrection occurs on a Sunday, and that the, the day of Pentecost occurred on a Sunday. So for the church, for us, this is when we would gather together, and what would we celebrate? We would celebrate the resurrection of Christ, life anew, the fulfillment of the promise for us, for, for everyone, the hope of Jesus Christ. And then they would celebrate the filling of the Holy Spirit that occurred on Pentecost. If you're like, why Sunday? That's why. That one was free. But it says in verse 1, they were all gathered into one place. Here's where I'm going to toss something out this morning because I appreciate this and I think it sets it up. I think every good story has a setup. Nobody wants to come in halfway through a movie, even if it's easy to follow, like it's like Thor or something. Like halfway through, you can still make it. But this is context is important, is that where are they gathered? It says they were all together. And I know in scripture it mentions, you know, obviously they're in the upper room. Luke uses this terminology, they're in the upper room. Um, and it says in Acts 2 that the house where they were sitting was filled. I just want to push, just set this out there as an idea. It doesn't dictate anything really that goes further, but I think it could help us understand how the Lord works. Is that when we study the language of this scripture, what we see is a couple things. One, when Luke mentions the upper room, he's mentioning something a different word, a different place than is used when talking about where they all gather for communion. And again, when it mentions the house, it's using a totally different terminology that's an idiom, not idiot, idiom for the temple. And so it's using a terminology that would even use to describe the house of God. So in scripture, when it says they were in the house, it filled the house, what, and again, we could debate this forever, but I won't because I'll be tired at the end of this. What they say is that it filled the house of God. So I'm just saying this to say that in Deuteronomy 16, when God set out the law that said, come celebrate the festival of weeks, come celebrate Pentecost, that what it would require is all the people would gather into the temple, that all the people would gather. And at the time where they say the spirit fell, they would have been praying together in the temple and the spirit fell and it filled the temple. Why, why does that matter? Why, you're like, why does this affect me? This guy, oh my gosh. 
Why does this affect your life? Because I think it's important to realize that for years and years and years, nations had gathered together in the temple and had prayed, God, send your presence. God, we, we, we hear the stories of, of when the cloud and, and the fire and your presence fell and the manifest presence of God was with us and we've been away and we've missed it, but we want the power. And they would gather together from all over the world and they would just wait. And they were in a place where only a few people could really go in and meet with the presence. Really only one guy goes in, the high priest goes in, everyone else just gets to hear the gossip of God. And they're, they're just praying in this place. And again, just saying this to inform our context that when God shows up, what he does is he fills the temple with his presence. Think about that. He fills the temple with his wind, with his power, with his glory. And in this moment, what he does is he doesn't just fill it, but he removes the separation. And I wanna tell you this morning that that separation has been removed for you, that it is not the spiritually elite that get filled with the manifest spirit, the, the Holy Spirit. It is not the spiritually elite. It is not just the pastors. It's not those who have been going to church forever. It's not those who we think can all, are the most holy can go into the Holy of Holies, stand in his presence. Oh, they know all the songs to the new Hillsong album. They're just so holy. They did six devos this morning. They're so worthy. Oh my gosh, they're so amazing. And you're like, I'm just trying to make it to church and not swear at my kids. <laughs> like, I certainly can't experience that. Like, that's my goal. Amen. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I live that life. Like, come on. <laughs> I'm about holiness, but sometimes that kid, I swear, <laughs> it's like she's trying. She's trying me. <laughs> but all that to say, in this moment, God removes the divide and he says, you know, I'm going to fill it and fill the temple, fill you, that you are where I reside. So I want us to get that picture in my brain. And again, I'm just giving a visual perspective because what we want to say, remember, what was our prayer this morning? God, if there is more of you to have, I want it, right? God, if there is more of you to have before I leave this place, I want it. So I want to invite you, let, let's keep reading this morning. Acts 2 says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, babe, would you toss me that water bottle? When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. It says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multiple multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not, these, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, 
uh, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya beyond Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, meaning converts to Judaism, uh, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they're filled with new wine. What does that mean? It might say it differently if it's a different version. But basically they're saying, you're drunk. Go home. That's what they mean. Some people get it. They're saying, I, I can hear them speak in my language. I can hear them talking in my language. And other people are like, these people are wasted. So there's a divide that's happening here in this moment. But I want to tell you, there's a lot of things we could talk about Pentecost. And there's a lot of sermons that we could dial up on Pentecost. But again, I just go back to this, that I believe that in the day of Pentecost, we as the church who believe in scripture, I only have one Bible to read. I'm doing the best I can here, but I can't skip parts because they make some people uncomfortable. It just is. Is that as we look at the day of Pentecost, our heart is to look and say, there's so many things happening, but God, if there's more of you to have, I want to have it. And so with fresh heart, fresh eyes, let's look at this, because I believe we see three major things that inform our understanding. So three things this morning. And I encourage you, I, you may not understand every element, but man, if you're waiting to understand every element of the supernatural, you're going to miss the miraculous. If your obedience is conditional on your understanding of the full workings of God, you're going to miss what he's doing. I'm not saying don't be informed. I, I inf Informed is important. But I'm saying don't limit God because of our understanding. So we see three things happen. One important thing here is they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I want us to think a moment, and I'm always pushing this, is to do our best to put our mind in as much context as we can, that we're supposed to think, okay, how were the disciples interacting with this? How was who it's being written about interacting with it? Not like directly, how is it just about me? But what was God trying to say here? So think about this moment that the disciples are gathered in the temple. They receive a great commission. They receive this massive task of taking the gospel that they have experienced, the hope they have found into the whole world. And then Jesus leaves. And it's like, yeah, but I'm sending another. Luckily for them, not a lesser, just another. He leaves. He was their source of power. And they're wondering, just like I'm wondering, looking at my kid, like, how on earth am I gonna do this? God, let me, let me do this right. I don't wanna mess this up. Couple that with Jewish people from all over the world, like I said, have gathered, and they're just longing and missing the days where the presence of God was so manifest and powerful in the life of their nation. They are outsiders. They are lost. They are oppressed, and they're longing and waiting for God to move. And so in this moment, what we see in Scripture in, in, um, in verse 2 is that the mighty breath of God moves through the temple. The breath of God is powerful, church. With the breath of God comes life. I love that at the beginning of time, when God creates Adam, it says he formed a man from dust on the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. I love in Ezekiel, if you ever read Ezekiel, one of the most famous parts of Ezekiel is that God takes Ezekiel to this valley of dried bones and tells Ezekiel to begin prophesy. And when and at one point when, when they're there and the bodies are beginning to form, God says, Ezekiel, begin to prophesy that the winds, the four winds would come in and breathe life into what was dead. 
And I love that, that what founded the church was that the wind, a sound like the wind, the breath of God comes in and breathes life into the church, that the breath of God is within the church, that it is not man-made, it is breath made by the mighty power of God. I think of a, a sailboat. I've heard people use this uh, for a different purpose, but I'm going to take it, and it's mine now. Um, is that you can build a sailboat, right? You can uh, shape the boat. You can work all the wood. You can form it. You can build the mast. You can sew really an incredible, an incredible sail that could hold all the wind that you could ever imagine, and you could put it out onto this amazing water, amazing launch. You've done it. But guess what? Only God can make the wind blow. And in this moment, only God could breathe on his church and bring it to life. And then in verse 3, it says, right, tongues of fire began to rest on them. Not, it's not, you know, fires like falling on them, but tongues as of fire begin to rest on them. And it says when, they, when the tongues rest on them, they begin speaking in tongues. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want us to get that word, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Church, Jesus meant for his disciples to be filled by the Holy Spirit, but can I tell you, he meant for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus never imagined a church that was not full of his Holy Spirit. Jesus never imagined a church that wouldn't want to receive more of his spirit. They would want to go through the day to day because he knew how hard it was to live on this earth. It was always in Jesus' mind that we would be full of the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why he commands his disciples in Luke 24, 49, says, I'm gonna send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Clothed in power. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. I love that the Holy Spirit came that we might be clothed in power, full of power, full to the brim of the power of the Holy Spirit, not ours, not the power of a sword or might, power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to clarify here uh, real quick that when I'm saying be filled by the Holy Spirit, I'm not saying the same thing as being born again. Does that kind of make, not being the same as being unified with Christ in his spirit. For those who are like, wait a second, I'm, I thought we were with him in the spirit. And maybe you're really into reading um, Romans. But Paul says, for by one spirit we were baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, or free. When you're born again and you put your faith in God, God's spirit unites you to him, so you're part of his body, a fellow heir of eternal life. But this baptism, what's happening here is about receiving a filling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't like a distant cousin of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God, and God in its unity, in its perfect unity, the Holy Spirit was sent to fill us with his power, with his life. I love that song, The Comforter Has Come. The Holy Spirit is the Comforter. If you're curious, who is this Comforter? The Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, it was never God's intent that you walk through this life under your own power. God loves you. He cares for you. God has sacrificed more to show his love for you than anyone ever could. And he gave you the Holy Spirit so that you can walk in the fullness of what he meant for you to walk in. I think sometimes we, um, if you've been around church for a while, we can tend to treat the Holy Spirit like something we tap into, not something we're full of. Like, not like we're the vessel, but that there's like the water cooler of the Holy Spirit over here. 
And sometimes I get a really good prayer meeting, you know, I'll get my glass and my water and, you know, then all of a sudden I got the gift of healing or whatever, you know, tongues, you know, like we just like, we get into it. Like, and then it's like, oh, my cup's empty. Like I'm gonna go back. I'm not knocking getting filled (laughs) and returning to God. What I'm saying is that we have to rethink how God intended us to be. And that is that we are the vessel to be full of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we disqualify ourselves. We're overwhelmed by what we have. And we look at all these other things in our life. Like we've talked about it. We say, I don't know if I meant to be this, but in this moment in the temple, God says, I qualify you by sending my spirit and filling you with the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not meant to be a tap. We're meant to be a vessel full of the Holy Spirit ready to pour out, full of the power of God, full of the power who heals and frees and delivers. Are you hearing me this morning, church, that you are meant to live not this life that thinks occasionally, if I get really spiritual, I'll tap in or for the spiritual people, but you, whoever you are, God has built you to be full of the power that breaks the chains that the enemy has tried for centuries to put on this city, for centuries and decades and generations to put on people. He's filled you and has given you the choice to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And in this moment, it's like, you don't gotta try to get into the Holy of Holies here. Come to me and I, and I will fill you with the Holy Spirit. If you agree, say amen this morning. Amen. It's Pentecost, so we're gonna have to get a little Pentecostal because I'm gonna go too long. I'll just keep repeating until somebody agrees with me. And then, yeah, there we go. (laughs) But again, when I say fill it with the Spirit, again, I come back to this. I'm gonna keep coming back to it. God, if there's more of you to have, I wanna have it. Fill me, fill me. God, you were the counselor and comforter. Fill me with more of your peace. God, you are the healer. Heal. Use me to heal. Heal in this city. You give gifts of power. God, would you bring those about in my life? Fill me, fill me, fill me, God. That's our prayer this morning. The second thing that we see is the Holy Spirit power was manifest and physically evident. It wasn't that it was just in theory or abstract. But verse four says, they were speaking in tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. And I know there's like a ton of debate on this. As soon as I say tongues, I, I know you because I hang out with y'all that like half of you are gonna cross your arms and cross your heart. Hope to die. <laughs> but the, the debate for centuries is, okay, are they speaking in tongues? Are they speaking in languages? We believe at, at this church, they were speaking supernaturally. If you want to believe that they all got up and spoke in languages they didn't know when 3,000 people got saved, you know what? I'll take it, to be honest. If you get up tomorrow and you speak Spanish and you lead 3,000 people who speak Spanish to the Lord, you know what? God bless you. Receive that miracle. I'm not going to disqualify it. That's not how we work. I'm not judging the journey. If God uses you, that's not my duty. I'm not God. I don't get to decide how he uses you. But in this moment, we believe they're speaking supernaturally. One reason is because of the language that the nationalities and the people from different areas said that who are these men and what are they speaking that we would hear? Not that they would speak our language, but that we would hear our language, which is important. The other thing is that the people who didn't understand said they're drunk. Has anyone ever heard anyone speak in tongues or spoke in tongues? I mean, I, I get it. <laughs> I get it. You hear somebody, you've ever been that prayer meeting? And there's just the one person who's just ready, just, you know, they're just like, they're in it. You know, and you might be like, oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> that's, that's good. But that's why they, they said, oh, they're drunk. Because I've never heard anybody speak German. Or like, has anyone ever been in a foreign country and heard someone speak your language? You're somewhere, uh, I've been places where nobody speaks my language. I was in Japan and, and I was on the subway and it was just me 
and everyone that doesn't look like me. And I was like, okay, no one's, I didn't, I couldn't even understand where I'm supposed to get off. And someone spoke English and I was like, yes. I wasn't like, go home, you're drunk. <laughs> right? If you're from a foreign country, you're not like, get out of here. You're wasted. You're like, oh, thank goodness, someone that I can understand. Where do I get, where's the bathroom? How do I get home? <laughs> right? And so in this moment, this is where we go. And, and many times uh, when someone uh, would have this moment of salvation where they would encounter the Holy Spirit and be filled, there was this initial physical evidence. And we say the physical evidence is the moment that when the Holy Spirit fills us, they begin to speak in tongues. There are other uses for speaking in tongues, but in, in this one, this is what we see. Um, we see it again in Cornelius' house in Acts, that you know, his family's led, and all of a sudden they begin speaking in tongues. It says, uh, the believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So who knows, were they speaking French or were they speaking spiritually? We believe by the power of the Spirit. Paul encounters some converts in Acts 19, and it says when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. I'm saying all this to say, not to limit you or push you outside, but to say that the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples, and they did something supernatural, and that set the tone for the church. And so I want to clarify our first things. First, this is not a sermon on spiritual gifts. We'll get there. But this is not a sermon on spiritual gifts or the intricacies of speaking in tongues. There's uses for speaking in tongues. There's praying in the spirit in Romans and Ephesians. And we got more time to talk about it, believe me, because I believe they're important. But the thing that I want to make sure is that no one feels like an outsider. I talk to a lot of people, and I think it's maybe because if you've been around church for a while, you have likely seen this abused or forced upon you. And so here's what I want to say this morning. Should you feel like an outsider at Banner Church if you don't speak in tongues? Like, don't come to prayer because, you know, you know you're, not, you're not full of the Holy Spirit. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. There are many spiritual gifts, but all I'm saying is, can I just encourage you this morning to open your heart and to look at what happened in one of the most profound moments of, uh, in the Word of God and, and say, man, God, if there's more of you to have, can I have it? Right, I've been to a church for a hundred years, but God, you know what, if there's more of you to have, I'm not gonna shut the door on it. If there's more of you to have, help me have it. See, I think so many of us, we would love to have the gift of healing, right? Who would, who would love to have the gift of healing, that God would use you to heal people? That'd be awesome, right? I mean, you'd be, everyone would be stoked for it, why? Because it's cool and it makes you look rad. Because <laughs> we know a lot of people that need to be healed. And so we can rationalize that in our brain because it functions, though in the supernatural, somewhat in the natural, and we get that. And I think that that's the interesting thing that, that exists in us is because we see that need and we fit it, then it makes sense. But when we talk about something like speaking in tongues or other gifts about um, discerning spirits or things like that, that we begin to separate and say, I don't know, that's not how God uses me, blah, 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 I don't know. But can I just encourage you? Your job is to seek the Lord and the fullness, and it's God's job to use you. Okay, it's our job to learn about what the gifts are and to be informed and encouraged and seek and pursue and pray for them. Pray that God would use us. Pray and pursue it and not shut ourselves off because we don't understand. Amen. Uh, I was thinking a really good mentor of mine uh, spent some time in China recently and he was telling me he's a very educated man, very, really an incredible um, incredibly brilliant. It's like some of these people I meet with are just so much smarter than me. It's crazy. Like I meet with Henry, and I don't understand half the things. They're all so smart. Or like Chandler. Like, gosh, he has the whole Bible memorized. Um, <laughs> it's true. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> so brilliant. Jamin comes up, and like, how am I going to follow that? Like he just broke down all these Jewish words, and I'm struggling with English. 
you know, but he's a very smart guy, one of my mentors, and he went to China, and he struggled with speaking in tongues, and in this moment, they went out to minister, and they're like, all right, we're going to go pray for people, and he was like, ah, uh, I don't speak Cantonese, and they're like, oh, don't worry, like, you have the power of the Holy Spirit, and you can minister, and so he goes out, and he begins to pray with people, and he begins to pray in the Spirit, really, for, and it doesn't happen very often, begins to pray in the Spirit for one of the first times, begin to begin to pray in a spiritual language and the person he's talking to begins to hear. And you know what he's talking to beyond, he told me what I'm talking to beyond the person is the addiction in their body that's holding on. And I'm gonna say, I'm saying by the power of the Holy Spirit, break this person from opium addiction. Free them, release them. We don't need to speak the same language for the Holy Spirit to free and release. So he begins to, at the end of himself, when he's got nothing else, nothing else he can do, he just begins to, to say, Holy Spirit, fill me and use me. And in that moment, that is how the Holy Spirit used him. Is that a roadmap for everything? No. But I hope it would build your faith to say that there is an important use in that. And surely the church, we're not living at our peak of evangelism. If you go around the world, you will see this happen. When we get here, we feel like we got to civilize everybody. So we shut it down. But I want to encourage you to seek that. Speaking in tongues is alive. It's where the language barrier exists. It breaks it. It speaks into cells, things that are dead. It brings a word into a congregation with interpretation. Don't try to come up here and grab this microphone. I'll smack you. <laughs> Don't try to come up and just speak in tongues. But it brings a word into a congregation with interpretation, whether from the speaker or the listener. It brings in these things. And we diminish the gifts and some of the gifts we don't understand because we've seen people make them look stupid. And so now we don't know what to do and we're frustrated. And can I tell you, I just come back to, it's so powerful and the Holy Spirit is so powerful and we need to stop trying to control him and put in roadblocks and just say, God, if there's more of you to have, I want to have it. Right, God, if there's more of you to have, I don't care if I look foolish. I just want to get filled. I want to get filled up. Certainly there's got to be more than this. Just general, you know, go through. Like, well, I want to be filled. I want to encourage you, why stop seeking it? That's always the funniest thing. I'll meet with people and they say, I just don't have gifts of the Spirit. I'll be like, why stop? It doesn't cost you anything to ask for it. I go, why give up? Like, I don't know if I really get it. That's fine. I just ask and see what happens. Like, the no will kind of make the choice for you, <laughs> right? Just begin to seek God. Don't stop seeking. I think about in my personal journey, I, I, would, I would be that guy. I didn't, I didn't grow up in a church that taught on this at all. Um, and so I'd be the guy in the back. If somebody started, I'd feel left out. So I'd just be in the back like, shoulda bought a Honda, shoulda bought a Honda, shoulda bought a Honda. Like you just like repeat something you think sounds good. Shabbat da shoulda bought a Honda. You know, I'm just like in the back because I don't want to be that guy that's left out. I'm not mocking tongues. I'm just saying like I grew up with that. But can I tell you that in a moment in my life where I sought God, it took me 10 years, if I'm being really honest, I'll, I'll be transparent. It took me 10 years of seeking God and, and God in this moment where I was at the end of myself, I say, God, I need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit because for, for your glory, not my own, would you, would you move however you want to move right now, but I need you, God. And in that moment, I began to speak in tongues. And, and I'm telling you, that's my journey only to say, have hope. Don't stop seeking. I'm not judging your journey. I'm just saying, don't give up seeing God manifest in as many ways possible in your life. For the freedom, for the building of the body, for the transformation of the city from dead to life, don't stop. God, if there's more of you to have, I want to have it. 
I was thinking of my wife. She told me this example. I didn't ask her if I could share, but it's happening now, so I'm sorry. Well, my wife, you know, grew up in a home where I, I think it would be generally unacceptable to see, uh, like, manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, I hope my father-in-law's not listening to this. Um, <laughs> but she grew up in this home, and, and awesome, awesome parents, very spiritual parents, very, like, love the Lord. Um, and that's, again, where I'm trying to make sure we're not putting anything on the outside. I'm not saying if you don't speak in tongues or you don't see healing that you're not loved by God, you're not full, you're not spiritual. That, you know, please, please don't put that in my mouth because that's not what I'm saying here. We love you. There's lots of people who function in that. Um, but Katie was saying, you know, I was praying and I never really prayed in the spirit. I never had this experience. And, and I just got to the end of, and, and I felt like I was pulling something that God wanted to say something, to speak something in, but I couldn't get the words. I couldn't, it wasn't my words that were going to say it. And so in that moment, I would just shut my mouth because I didn't know what to say. And so she says, but what I decided to do is in that moment, just allow the Holy Spirit to just say, Holy Spirit, would you fill me? Would you speak through me? Would you, would you do what I cannot do? And in that moment, she saw a manifestation of the Spirit. Because can I tell you, guys, there is more of God to be had in every element of our life, in every place in our life, in our prayer life, in our home life, in our work life. In this city, there is more of the Holy Spirit to, to have. And again, I go back to if our journey and our obedience to Christ is fully dependent on how we understand the supernatural, we will miss the miraculous. We don't need another church of merchandise, another church of marketing, another church of systems. We need a church of power. Nobody believes us because they don't see it. We need a church of power of the Holy Spirit. And I love the Holy Spirit manifests on, a, on a, the day of Pentecost. Third thing this morning is the power of the Spirit ignited the mission. See, the supernatural has the power to break loose what the natural cannot. The church was built to be a supernatural movement. Guys, Banner Church was built to be something that is only describable by the power of the Holy Spirit. When you hear about what God does and when God's moving in places, when God's moving and doing something, man, that's only describable by the power of God. I was talking to my brother Ian and my folks I was hearing about what God did in your guys' ministry and hearing about how God moved and gathered all of these people. And I begin to think, like, man, that is only describable by the Holy Spirit right there. That's the Holy Spirit. That's getting filled. That's seeing God pour out. And when the Spirit of God fell on Pentecost and the, the disciples begin to speak and embolden them, and the disciples with the Spirit look nothing like the disciples without the Spirit. If you came in here thinking like, man, that, like getting up and you know, prophesying or whatever, that is not me. Good, it wasn't them either. That's what makes it God. God likes to use those people because people who got it all together and have all the charisma and all the everything, right, like they can explain it themselves. God loves to use the people that go, there is absolutely no way that this is me. This has to be God, right? And so in this moment, they stand up. It says they're filled with the Holy Spirit and 3,000 people receive Christ and are baptized. 3,000 people, get that in your head, that the church starts by 3,000 people coming to know Christ, Amen. And they're baptized. Can I tell you, the church, you and I, when we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, we are unstoppable. I'm going to invite up the band this morning. I was in a Clear Lake, California. Anyone ever been to Clear Lake, California? <laughs> Katie's like, yes. 
uh, I was excited to go to Clear Lake, California. We were on this like youth ministry tour and I looked at the map and I was like, oh, wine country, how quaint. And uh, I, was, I was like, this should be a nice rest. But we rolled into Clear Lake, California and I gotta say, it is one of the more spiritually dark places I had been in California to this time. And I'm like a high spiritual person. I don't like roll around like, oh my gosh, oh, there's evil, you know. But it felt dark. I could feel the weight of the fact that the enemy did not want us there. There's a um, large pagan temple. There's a lot of things that happen in, in Clear Lake. It's, you know, it's a beautiful area, but spiritually dark. And I remember we would do this ministry tour and we would, we would just start, we'd do our thing. And like, has everyone, anyone ever like done a presentation and like you're a good three minutes in and you're thinking, this is not going well. Like the rest of this is probably gonna go about like this. <laughs> and it's not great. Um, and in this moment, we're doing our thing and you know, all the kids, like this is like the day of human videos. And so they're like flipping and you know, they're doing their thing. I think Jana was there <laughs> and they're doing their whole thing. And it was just like nothing. And uh, the service kind of like ends and all the kids are sad. Uh, these youth kids are on this emotional roller coaster and they're sad and you know, I. I, I don't like get bummed, I kind of get like ticked off. And so I kind of felt this like thing rise up inside of me and I was just kind of like, well, I already look like an idiot. So why don't we do this? If you wanna be healed tonight, come forward and we'll pray for you to be healed because I believe that of all the things this morning that God wants to heal somebody. And, and I said like tongue in cheek, like <laughs> Jesus came to heal the blind and to raise the dead. And you know, you say these things as like a, as a youth pastor, you say things and the older you get, you learn to think before you say things. But in this moment, I didn't think, I just said, if you're blind, come forward, we're gonna pray that you're healed, you know, tonight. And again, I'm not saying, you know, if, if you come before to be healed, you weren't full of the Holy Spirit or anything like that. I'm, not, I'm just saying in this moment, this kid comes forward and he shows us his right eye. And his right eye, his left eye is brown. His right eye is totally gray, like inside. Inside is totally gray. And I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. Cause it's gone bad till then, bad, rough. And I'm thinking, okay, God, you gotta do something here. And so we kind of gather around him and one of the guys on my worship team, a young guy just reaches up and puts his hand on the kid's eye and it's kind of like looks at me like, do it, you know, kind of like, I'm, come on. <laughs> and I, I start the prayer and I start the way that, you know, I kind of like, dear Jesus, we thank you that you're a healing God. We thank you that you're worth, you know, and I, man, I could just sense that was so lame. Like that's not, that's not what this kid needs. This kid needed the manifest power of the Holy Spirit. He didn't need participation. He needed power. And in that moment, and I'm not saying this to, to boost myself up because I looked dumb. God, I'm just gonna read her. I, I look like an idiot to this point. And I didn't look great afterwards. Like, I mean, I was, I was young and stupid, but I just began praying by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, we take dominion by your name. And, and in this moment, we just begin to pray and pray over him. We pray that the Holy Spirit would loosen and we begin to pray in tongues over him. And I, I don't know, I can't repeat what I said. It would be vain to repeat it. But we begin to pray in the Spirit over him and the utterances of the Holy Spirit came out and we prayed because at the end of ourselves, there is only the Spirit. We live a life that is only described by 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we really wanna see the blind healed like we keep saying we do, then we have to be in the Spirit by His power, not ours. And so in this moment, we stand there, we pray, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay because this is the moment when he takes the hand off, that's the thing. I just want him to leave that hand forever. <laughs> so anyone prayed for healing and just been like, I don't even want to ask because like, what if, you know? And so he takes his hand away and everyone just starts bawling and the kid starts just screaming, just crying, praising God because his eye had gone from gray to brown. It was what the other one was and he praised God. Yeah, we can clap for that. Why do I tell that story? Because I was that guy that said, I just don't know about speaking in tongues. I, I don't get it. I don't like it. It's not God's gift for me. I've seen the disciples do it, but it's not for me. But in that moment, you know what I said? God, if there's more of you to have, let me have it. Not for my might, but because this young man in a spiritually dark place needs to know that you are real. And God manifests in a couple ways in that moment. And I'm not, I'm not giving you a roadmap here again. Remember that. I'm just saying, embolden your faith to know that in your life, if you really want to live as Christ intended and the fullness that he intended, can I tell you, the spirit is there and he's there to fill you and he's ready to fill you. And if we would open our hearts and say, God, okay, enough. I'm at the end of myself. I know that human power won't fix this city. Do we honestly think that human power is going to stop sex trafficking? Honestly, 60 billion, it was just people trapped in, do we honestly think that? No. The Holy Spirit will deliver, obviously the effort in the hands of humanity, but the power of the Holy Spirit will deliver. The power of the Holy Spirit breaks addiction. The power of the Holy Spirit heals back families that have been at war for generations. I've seen it happen. The power of the Holy Spirit, when you're praying and, and you're, you don't even know, but you're feeling led by the Holy Spirit and you begin these utterances of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden someone all the way across will begin to hear what God has meaning to speak into their heart, but because we're finite and we could never know that, he speaks that. Can I tell you, who else here just doesn't wanna put God in a box and is saying, if there's more of God to have, I wanna have it. If there's more of you to have Holy Spirit, I want to have it. What would happen if your office, if someone was radically healed by the power of the Holy Spirit? What would happen in your life if you could discern? What would happen in your life if you had the wisdom that came from God? What would happen in your city if you begin to deliver the Word of God? What would happen if our church prayed less of God, do what I want in the things that make me comfortable and more. God, if there's more of you to have, I wanna have it. More of your peace, more of your power, more of your freedom, more lives rescued, more bodies, minds, and hearts delivered, more healing, more power in this church. And guys, I know sometimes when we get into this, things get messy. And so the people are all about order. They come up and say order. Someone told me the other day, I heard it say, there's a lot of order in a cemetery. And I would rather have a messy church than a dead church. Don't come up here and make it weird for somebody because I'll kick you out. But if it gets a little strange, I'll just apologize. I would rather pastor through the power than watch the church die because eventually the novelty of this white ceiling is gonna wear off. And if we are not digging into the power of God, we will not see what God has intended. Can I tell you, church, when I see Banner Church, when I see you and I meet you and I see your life, I tell you that God has a plan for you and a vision for you that goes beyond what you could ever imagine. And right now you're in it, but God has a vision for you. 
and he wants to give you more. There's more for you. Christian, there's more for you, brother. Henry, there's more for you, man. Charity, there's more for you. Allie, there's more for you. John, there's more for you. There's more of God to have. I want to have it. Would you stand with me this morning? I know it went a little long today, but there's baptisms. That's good. Would you just close your eyes? I want a chance to focus our hearts. I've said a lot of things, yelled a few things. But in this moment, I just want us a chance to, to focus our hearts. I wanted to look a little foolish so that somebody this morning can get filled. All I want is the power of God manifest. When my, my wife and I moved here, every eye closed, every head bowed, just hear my words. When my wife and I moved here, we said, I don't wanna turn the crank on church and systems. I worked for years as the kind of guy that developed the kind of marketing that would bring the kind of people to church that liked systems and classrooms and things. And can I tell you, church, hear my voice when I say, I want this church to be only explainable and definable by the power of the Holy Spirit. If we really want to, we could do the best marketing campaign, but can I tell you, that freedom in this city is not gonna come from a mailer, but from the power of the Holy Spirit. With every eye closed, I just wanna ask you a question. Do you want more? Do we honestly live in a world where every spiritual gift is used to its most, where we don't need it anymore, where we couldn't use more, or are we willing to say, to look at the church, the church that we love, the people that we love, the family that we love and say, God, we want more. God, we want more. God, if there is more of you, I want it. Right now, if that's you in your heart, just say, God, if there's more of you, I want it. Say it in your heart. God, if there's more of you to have, Holy Spirit, if there's more of you to have, I want it. Maybe God has done incredible things in your life. Can I encourage you? Don't stop there. There are the greatest revivalists of our time that still pray, God, if there's more of you, I want to have it. Reinhard Bonnke is leading millions to the Lord. And I tell you that I have heard him say, God, I want more of you. God, if there's more of you want to have it, maybe this morning you came into this place and, and you're like, I don't feel worthy of this at all. I don't even feel like a church person. Why am I even here? Can I tell you that God loves you and cares for you, sent his son for you? And if this morning you would say, God, I surrender my heart to you and I gotta say, I, I want more of this. I want more peace. I want more of the strength that comes to you. I'm tired of doing it by myself that God will give you that. God, if there's more of you, I want it. God, if there's more of you, I want it. The band is gonna sing this song. Every eye closed, head bow. I'm gonna pray in a second, but the band is gonna sing this song and the bridge says, which is the part I want them to sing, Holy Spirit, uh, come like a rushing flood. That part. Talks about Holy Spirit coming. And what I'm gonna do after I pray is I'm gonna invite you forward. And if you're in this church and you're saying, God, if there's more of you, I want it. I'm gonna invite you to come forward and just begin to seek God. The prayer team will come up and pray with you after that. But in this moment, after I pray, I'm gonna open it up. And if God's saying in your heart, God, if there's more of you to have, I want it. I'm gonna invite you in just a moment. Let's pray. God, we pray this morning that this church will be full of your power, that it would be full of your presence, not for our glory, but for the building up of the body, for the closeness of your presence. God, for the unity of the church, for the spreading of your gospel, for God, so much more than we could ever imagine. 
God, I pray this morning that if there is more of you to have, which we know there is, we want to have it. Holy Spirit, if there's more of you to have, we want to have it. Even those of us that spend time with you, those who, who seek you and love you and are in an intimate connection with you, God, if there's more of you to have, I want to have it. If there's more of you to have, I want to have it. God, for those that come into this place and they've never experienced the love of Jesus, God, we take this moment, we say, Lord, if there's more of you, we want to have it. We lay down our hearts of that's you this morning. I lay down my heart. I lay down myself and I say, God, I want to step in 